was just making a comment about, well, I should get the Bible out because this is church, right? But actually, this building is not the church, right? right. Amen. Okay, good. I, I know somebody in the room would agree with me. You are the church. Every human being that, that knows Jesus, that has a relationship with God, that has been born of the Spirit, born of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came into your spirit and resurrected your once dead towards God heart and made you alive in Christ, breathing and releasing resurrection power on, into your innermost being, causing you to be born again. And that, in turn, makes you the church. You are a, a part of the church. All of us come together as the church, as living stones, and we get to encourage each other. We get to worship together. And, and the most wonderful thing is we get to experience the presence of God coming upon us, delighting in his sons and daughters as we worship him. So we're going to make lots of space tonight just to worship, to, to have a good time in his presence. And... Uh, I do want to say that at the end of the evening, we're going to try to wrap things up by 8 o'clock. I know that's like, well, two hours should be plenty of time. Not with this bunch. Not with this bunch. Um, <clears throat> tomorrow is Tammy's birthday. She turns, can I say? Yeah. She turns 53. I looked at Psalm 53 and Isaiah 53, and I'm like, nope, those are not. I'm not going to get, I already knew what Isaiah 53 was. So we'll pray about it. But hey, if you guys... Uh, sometime this evening feel like you, you got a scripture for Tammy. I have a little card over on the counter there. You can just sign your name in it if you want or put your fa favorite Bible verse or something. But when we're all done at 8 o'clock, I've got some, some, some s delicious food from next door from Campanas to share with everybody. So, so if you're here to stick around, if, if no one's here and uh, just a handful, well, you're all going to have to take it home. So. <laughs> All right, so this is what we're going to do. We are going to open up with the Word of God. I'd ask you guys to stand, but I might, you know, I have a habit of things turning into a pre-worship preach, and I don't want to tire you out yet, so. Yeah, let me just read this. Psalm 24, this is from the Passion Translation, so if you don't have that on your, on your app, um, you have to try to follow along. The Passion Translation says, in, verse, in chapter 24 of Psalm, Psalm 24, Yahweh, and I'll just make a quick pause, the translator of the Passion Translation, he chose to use the name Yahweh where the English translations typically say L-O-R-D, all capital letters. That, for some reason, um, translators felt that they needed to, instead of using the four letters in the Hebrew that um, would spell out the name of God, which is Yahweh, they would in turn, because there's controversy over the pronunciation of it, is it Jehovah, is it Yahweh, you know, the consonants are, are not in there. Um, but the translator for the Passion, he decided to put Yahweh where it's all caps, L-O-R-D. So I just thought I'd mention that real quick. Okay, now we'll, we'll read the scriptures. Yahweh claims the world as his. Everything and everyone, including everyone in this room, belong to him. He's the one who pushed back oceans to let the dry ground appear, planting firm foundations for the earth. 
Who then is allowed to ascend the mountain of Yahweh? That's a good question. And who has the privilege of entering into God's most holy place? Here's the answer. Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth, those who never deceive, whose words are sure, they will receive Yahweh's blessing and righteousness given by the Savior God. They will stand before God, for they seek the pleasure of God's face, the God of Jacob. Pause in his presence, or Selah. I, I just want to mention, you know, this is Old Testament, the, the full plan of Jesus dying on the cross as a covering of our sins, his transference of his righteousness and holiness through his precious blood uh, transferred to us so that we are the righteous by faith. We are holy through the blood of Christ. That was not yet disclosed as the writer of Psalms wrote that. But we can know that if, if it's those who are clean, who have clean hands and pure hearts who can ascend the hill of the Lord, Jesus made that possible for you and I right now. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, and you coming to faith in him, he has declared you righteous. He has, he has imputed, he has transferred his righteousness. He has exchanged his righteousness for your sin on the cross. By faith in Jesus, you received full righteousness from God. You are covered. And because of that, you and I right now get to ascend the hill of the Lord. We get to go into his presence and worship. We get to come before him, to come before his face. The word of God tells us that his presence is, actually it doesn't tell us, but it's translated oftentimes, his presence is his face, his face towards us. So we get to press in to the face of God tonight, to the face of our, our king. Does that sound funny? Pressing in. His face, I'm sure, is pretty big. There's enough room for all of us to get right up to his cheeks and just, like, get lost in his, his presence, in his face. <laughs> so why don't we stand up? Based on that, based on the fact <clears throat> that Jesus paid the price, that you don't have to strive, you don't have to become perfect, you don't have to do a bunch of religious acts, you simply have to come to him with thanksgiving and praise because of what he did for us. So I'm going to read the rest of this scripture, and then we're just going to dive right into worship. Are you guys ready? <clears throat> After it says, Selah, or pause in his presence, the, the last portion of this, uh, he titled it, The King is Coming. The King is Coming. I just pray tonight that your hearts would be perked with that reality. The King is coming. Jesus is coming again. He's returning. So wake up, the scripture says. Wake up, you living gateways. You are a living gateway of the presence of God. Lift up your heads, you doorways of eternity. Welcome the king of glory, for he is about to come through you. You're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach two seconds. You're a living gateway. The, the psalmist is saying, lift up your heads, you living gateway, fling wide the doors of your heart.
because the king of glory is about to come in through you. Jesus said, those who believed in him, out of their innermost being, rivers of living water would flow out. Rivers. That is, and he said that was referring to the Holy Spirit. As we worship tonight, we get to fling wide the gates and release the presence of God that you carry, that I carry, this unending source of his presence flowing from heaven through your heart and into every place you go. Okay, I'll quit preaching now. Welcome the king of glory, for he is about to come through you. You ask, who is this king of glory? Yahweh, armed and ready for battle. That's good news. Yahweh, invincible in every way. And that's even better news. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. Fling wide, you eternal doors. Here he comes. The king of glory is ready to come in. You ask, who is this king of glory, if you didn't catch it the first time? He is Yahweh, armed and ready for battle, the mighty one, the invisible commander of heaven's hosts. Yes, he is the king of glory. Jesus, we recognize you are the king of glory. You are Yahweh. You are Jehovah who became flesh. Yahweh who is with us. God who is with us. You are our Emmanuel. You are the commander of heaven's armies. And we welcome your presence in this place tonight. Tonight we worship you first and foremost by giving you all that we are. We lift up our hearts our bodies, our minds, all that we are, we present it to you right now in this space as a living sacrifice. God, we come into your presence with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. You are worthy of our worship. Just begin to tell him his, his worthiness. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our love and adoration. We give you high praise tonight. God, we love you. We thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, let's worship him, guys. Just keep pulling on heaven with your thanks, with your praise. Yeah. We receive from you tonight, Lord. We receive what you paid for on the cross. We receive healing, which is the children's bread. Thank you, Jesus. Come and get your reward, Jesus.
when we were singing the song, speaking the name of Jesus. I just want us to press into that right now. And over every one of our families, every stronghold, every familiar spirit, anywhere that there's depression and oppression and, and anywhere there's fear of man or fear of lack. So I've asked David if he would blow the shofar over us right now, if that's okay. So before we get into communion, but did you guys, were you guys sensing that when we were singing that, speaking the name of Jesus over ourselves and over our families? You guys sense that the strongholds are just going to break off? Like tonight's another level of breaking off those strongholds. And you tear down strongholds by speaking the truth. So we're speaking the truth of the power of the resurrection, the name of Jesus, the power of his name, the power of the cross, his death, his resurrection breaks the stronghold off of our families, off of our marriages, off of our children and our grandchildren. The next generation, there's a legacy in this room. There's legacy in this city. We're here for this moment now. So we're standing in line for our families, where they've come from, what they've fought for, and where we're going. There is life in this room. There is seed in this room. There is good soil. So we're going to blow the shofar. And I've heard testimony. When the shofar is blown, people are getting delivered and set free. This is like, uh, this just happened in this, this last year. People hadn't seen it happen before. At the sound of the blast of the shofar, that the ram had to sacrifice its life to release this sound. Jesus sacrificed his life. The power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the worthy lamb. So those strongholds in your life, over your family, your family members, just lift those up to the Lord right now and just prepare to see the shackles breaking off. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's release the shofar. just thank you that you're the chain breaker, that you have anointed each one of us to preach good news, to set the captive free, and to break the yoke of bondage. So Lord, I just thank you for your freedom in this house. Thank you, Lord. He's strong enough and smart enough and skilled enough to do the work. And if we just surrender to him, we can fully trust in him. 
we can trust in him with everything we have. Father, we need you to do the work in our lives. Help us, Lord. Break the strongholds. You are the master of breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. You break down the strongholds in our lives. You deliver us. You heal us. Thank you that we can fully trust in you. Thank you that you are powerful enough and skilled enough to do the work that only you can do to restore, to bind the brokenhearted. Thank you, Jesus. really in a season to be pressing into God, to know that he is bigger and more powerful than anything we've ever experienced, to hold him in such awe and wonder, and it's just amazing that an infinite God who created this universe sent his son and this this amazing person that created everything then came and died for us. Like, how? And we talk a lot about how his body is for our healing. And he's doing healing right now in us right at this very moment. And his body is for our healing, but there's just so many facets to it. And I want to read to you, like, 
how I want to connect how it's not just his body. Jesus is the word. Maybe this will make sense in a minute, but starting with John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, it says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. So we have his body. We, we also have his word. And all of it together, it's healing for us. We remind ourselves with his body, but then day after day with the renewing of our minds, with the word, reading his word and getting to know him. It's not just getting to know his word, it's getting to know Holy Spirit. And hearing, hearing his word, knowing his words, knowing what he's commanded us to do, knowing his commands, it gives life to us, it brings healing to us. So let's just ponder that. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, but it's also your word that heals us and restores us. And somehow it's a mystery. You provided all this for us, for our healing, so that we could be made whole again and restored back to the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us your broken body. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for healing us when we didn't even deserve it. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take the word. We just lift up this cup in remembrance of his death. It says to do this often. And every time we take communion, we're reminding hell, death, and the grave that they were made a spectacle of the day that Jesus died and rose again. This is for our freedom. This is for our forgiveness of sins. That mercy triumphs over judgment. There's no condemnation in Christ are a new creation. So Lord, I just thank you for the power of the cross and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, that it speaks a better testimony on our behalf. And I just apply this right now to my body, to my family, and in this room right now, Lord Jesus, we just apply the blood of Jesus over every single one of us here. And we just lift up this cup in remembrance.
Jesus. Yeah, just breathe in his goodness. The Lord's presence is all around you. If you're a Christian, he's inside of you. Yeah. You know, Jesus breathed into his disciples' nostrils. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's okay. It's not new age to breathe him in. Just breathe him in. Just There's always more. There's more of him than you could ever imagine. He just wants to fill. He wants to saturate. He wants to consume every fiber, every cell of your being. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I just declare over my body, over my life, and over everyone in this room and your families, the power of the name of Jesus, that his kingdom, his dominion, would come now and begin to rule and to reign and increase in his dominion in every part of your life, beginning in your cellular levels throughout your whole body, releasing life, releasing grace, releasing strength into your mind, releasing wisdom and revelation into your emotions, your will, releasing holy awe and wonder and fear of the one who is the king of all kings, the name above all names, the one whose name is Jesus. And at that name, every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is Adonai. He is master. He is king. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. it's funny that David uh, was talking about Jesus being the word and you know that we he is the living word the word became flesh and you know that's like like you snuck into the notes and read ahead Um, you know I don't think it's going to happen every month but close to monthly maybe once every six to eight weeks once every one or two months Um, it's our aim as a church to to just spend a Sunday evening and talk about one of our, our kingdom core values or kingdom cultural values. You know, our heart is to create a culture, a kingdom culture in this place, in this congregation of believers that's called Legacy City Church. And God gave us specific emphasis. All of the emphasis is in different churches, hopefully, are, are biblical. I believe that the ones that we felt God highlight to us are biblical. Um, Revelation in the Word, that sounds pretty biblical. I'll let you judge by the end of the night. Um, But, you know, we've covered various things like um, releasing the supernatural presence of God. You are a priest. You are a minister of the Lord Jesus when you got saved. He inaugurated you into full-time ministry. No matter what your career path is, postal worker, mailman, whatever you all do. I'm not going to go down the list because I'll mess it up. Homeschool mom. You, You are a priest, shipyard worker. You are a minister of the gospel. You carry the presence of God and you get to release his presence, his power, the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. Same with you. In fact, I, you know, I felt like I had a picture for you tonight, Christine. 
felt like the Lord showed me you are like this, an oil, like an, like an, uh, like in biblical times, an oil lamp, and you're lit on the top, and the the flame of of His light, His light that is over you and resting on you, gets brighter as the inside of the of the lamp is filled with oil. And, and as your oil increases, the flame on top of your life, his presence is going to increase. And I just feel like you need to, you need to know that. You, you have the light of Jesus shining on your life, that that is the gift that he's given to every believer, that his light would rest on you, his presence, and that you would recognize that you and everyone in this room, we are the light of the world. Jesus said to, about himself, he said, I am the light of the world, and then he pointed to the disciples and he said, those who believe in me, you are the light of the world. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Don't, don't try to bury it. Let your light so shine before all men that they see your good deeds and glorify your God and your Father in heaven. So we talk about releasing the spirit. We talk about the prophetic, how to hear God's voice and have the, the proper heart and etiquette to deliver what we think we're hearing from God, you know recognizing it's subjective. We weigh everything. So we, we talk about that as a house. We talk about the church being family because this house, our heartbeat is that this house would be a family, a spiritual family, a kingdom family where we can come and connect together. We can uh, let this place be a starting point for connecting outside of the building. So today, I well, not today, but this week, I felt like the Word of God, revelation and the Word of God. Very simple topic, but, but so powerful and important. You know, <clears throat> I've heard a previous pastor say that he would hold this book up in front of his kids and he'd say, he trained them, he said, what is this? And they would say, I don't know, what, what would you guys say? The Bible. The Bible, but they would say the Word of God. So it's the same thing, the Bible, but you know, when you say the Word of God, it's the Bible, but this is the Word of God. And it is, it is what? It is powerful. It is powerful. You know, for years I had a, a zipper case on this Bible that had a sword on the front. And I love that because Ephesians 6 tells us that your armor, part of your armor, there's a whole list of your armor from the helmet to the breastplate to the belt to the, to the shield to your boots. And most important of all, well, they're probably all important, but... My, if, I don't know, if you don't have a weapon in your hand, but you're just full of armor, well, you're going to be probably protected from things, but you're not going to be able to kill anything, right? Exactly. You want to take, take some giants out? You want to take some demonic strongholds out? This is your weapon. This is what? The Word of God. The Bible. And it is powerful. The Word of God, I love this scripture in Hebrews. It says the Word of God is living and active. If, if, if I could do it by the power of the Holy Spirit and cause this thing to start breathing, I would. But think of it that way. Think of whether it's on an app or on actual leather-bound or paperback, whatever version you're using. Think of this book containing the words of life that are living and breathing. Living and active. Like there is... There is activity, there is supernatural activity that, that is released at the power of the words of this book. I think that's awesome. 
I would go into that whole thing of uh, quantum wave function, but I'm not prepared with that. Quantum wave function, they discovered, and I'm gonna botch it up, but I'll try to give you what I, what I do know of it. Quantum wave function, QWF, or QWIF. There's this, there's this scientific thing called popping the quiff. There are, there are, um, how do I describe it? There are like microscopic level cells and atoms that respond to your words and respond to your thoughts. Like before you even say the word, on a quantum level, things begin to move. That's just science. Like, I, I totally botched that. Okay. I, I got a really highly intelligent guy here, and all, all the guys in the room are very highly intelligent. <clears throat> um, but I know this guy, I'll probably look it up quantum wave function. The fact is, the Bible says of itself that the Word of God is living and active, it is sharper than a double edged sword, it cuts and it penetrates and it divides, it splits apart, it, it separates what is soul, what is spirit, what is joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. That's, just, that's not just when someone is confronting you with the word. Like the word of God is a mirror. You want the word of God to, to speak to you, to cut into your heart, to for God to show you what he wants to show you. Let the word of God be the mirror that we spend time in looking into, beholding his truth and talking to him about it. So today, revelation in the word, and we're gonna get this done, I think with plenty of time before pizza is ready next door. And uh, by eight o'clock, we'll be done and I'll run over and maybe someone will run over with me. Someone young, ah, okay. So here we go, you guys ready? God's word transforms. That's, that's, this is one of our church kingdom cultural values. You know, we, we have to be a people of the word of God. We have to be a people of the presence of God and the word of God. Bob Jones, a prophet who has gone on to be with the Lord, prophesied that, well, part of the prophecy was that the chiefs would win the Super Bowl. That happened twice now. And that that would be the sign of an end time revival. And he had this, this prophetic word of these different um, tiers of bleachers. And that this end time revival would be like the final tier of bleachers where the, the people of the word and the people of the spirit come together. I spent many years in the four square denomination, um, which is a spirit filled denomination and feasting on Calvary, the Calvary Chapel movement. I used to listen to Chuck Smith and other Calvary Chapel preachers because they, they would preach the Bible chapter by chapter, precept upon precept, book by book. And I loved it. I was just like, yes, it's like learning the Bible together. And I've tried that. And there's been seasons where we've walked through a, a book of the Bible. But at the same time, we want to be led by the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is saying, this is what I want, to speak in this hour, in this very hour, then, then I need you to be flexible. I need you to be a wineskin, a container of my presence that is flexible, that can move with me. Does that make sense? Okay, hopefully you guys all wanna be a flexible wineskin, a new wineskin. Okay, so, revelation in the word. Let's just take a look at some good stuff here. 
I'm going to be reading quite a few quotes, and then we're going to get into some scripture. This is going to probably feel a bit basic, but I feel like, you know, Tammy and I were talking about discipleship. So if you are newer in the Lord, or, you know, coming back to the Lord in a new relationship, or if you're just a youngster, like some of my kids in the room, this is important stuff. Maybe you haven't heard me talk about these things in the house much. You know, maybe, maybe your discipleship that you learned at home was more, we lay hands on people and we turn on the power hose of the Holy Spirit to see them healed. But I know that much of what we will talk about today will, will ring into your remembrance of things that we've spoken of over the years in this house and in our own personal home. So here's a quote from Jack Hayford. Um, well, we'll start with the Bible. Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search it out. The Bible tells us that as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, we are, we are priests and we are kings. So not only did you become full-time in the ministry when you got saved, you became a royal priest, a kingly priest. You are actually crowned with a crown. I think it's invisible. I don't see it right now, but I've seen it on people in the spirit. But the Bible tells us in John 1 verse 12 that all who believed in him, to all who call on his name, he gave them the word right. He gave the right to become the children of God. That's what it says in the English. If you look up the Greek word for right, when he, God gave us the right to become children of God, it's the Greek word exousia. Let's have some fun. Just say it with me. Exousia. Or you could say it the Italian way, exousia, exousia. That word in the Greek, which is translated the right or permission, is actually the word that means regal authority or royal authority. Like picture someone who is crowned with governmental authority. You are crowned, you are a, a priest and a king, and it is the heart and will of God that you and I learn how to rule and reign in life through Christ Jesus. So, back to the scripture, but the, it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. So this is us. God conceals things not because he wants to hide stuff from us. He conceals it because he wants to give you and I a hunger to go after truth, to go after the gold, the treasures that are hidden in the word of God. And the only way you're going to find it is if you crack that dusty, hopefully not dusty, crack that book open just like go find a quiet place and just say Lord I want to meet with you here and then just open it up and just talk to him to say Lord I, I, I love you I want to know you I want to know you more and then re read it out loud if you can I love to read the word of God out loud there's something about doing that it just releases it into the atmosphere and it goes back into my ears and it reinforces it and then I don't just kind of daydream while I'm reading because if you read without talking out loud it just it's easy to, your brain can start connecting somewhere else while your eyes are still reading. I don't know, that maybe it's just me, probably not. Okay, so here, back to Jack Hayford. The Jack Hayford Bible Handbook says, God's word has been unscrolled in both the scriptures and in his incarnate son, David. Good job tonight for pointing that out. Jesus is the word. Jesus Christ. Jesus, in describing the importance of the eternal scripture, said, Man shall not live 
by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. He also commanded the steadfast inquiry into the word of God in John 5, 39. Search the scriptures, they testify of me. You want to know Jesus, you want to know him more intimately, more personally, make a commitment to begin getting into the word of God, even if it's just five minutes to start with. I promise you, you may not think you're hungry for the word of God. Jesus said, we, we don't live by bread alone. You may not think you're hungry for it, but if you haven't really gotten into reading it or spending time with God and reading it, you're going to find, oh, I'm hungry. Like, as I read it, I need more. And you'll watch the clock go by fast. You're like, now I got to go to work. I wish I had another half hour or longer. I find that every morning. I'm here for at least an hour, and I'm like, it's time to go already? You're going to find a hunger that does not, does not get quenched inside of you. This is some more of Jack Hafer here. It says, there is no such thing as health or growth in Christian living apart from a clear priority on the place of the Bible in the life of the individual, individual or the group. Scriptures are conclusive. The scriptures are the conclusive standard for our faith, morals, and practical living and are the nourishment for our rising strength in faith, holiness and living, and effectiveness in service. The Holy Spirit who comes to fill us is the same person who has given us the book to guide and sustain us. That is so good. I so value Jack Hayford. He's a spiritual father in a sense to the movement that Tammy and I were a part of for a decade. My family history goes back into the beginnings of the Four Square Movement. Jack Hayford is a man of the, was a man. He's gone on to be with the Lord this last year, but he, has, he was a man of the Spirit and the Word. This is so good. Here's a little bit more from him. It's kind of a big section that I had to break up. It says, just as, oh, real quick, does anyone, um, you guys awake? Everyone's awake? Okay, good. I just want to make sure. I thought I'd better check. I haven't heard any amens or anything, but that's okay. It's okay. I'll encourage myself. Just as we owe our natural existence to the Creator's spoken word and life-giving breath, so we owe our new birth. Okay, that's you if you're a born-again believer. We owe our new birth to the power of God's word and the Holy Spirit's activation of its power. God's intent for our created being is only completely fulfilled when our spirits are alive toward him. As sin has produced spiritual death in people, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, so salvation in Jesus Christ has provided spiritual life. This text tells us that the seed that has produced new life in us is the word of God, which has begotten us again by the Holy Spirit's power, Titus 3, 5, and made us members of God's word, the Holy Scriptures, did I read that right? Yeah, and made us members of God's word, the Holy Scriptures, is in no way more manifest than in this, its power to bring spiritual life to all who open its truth. There might have been a typo in there, but real quick, I'm just going to read, you know, he quoted Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, just so we know what he's talking about. As sin produced spiritual death in people, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 in the, in the NIV, As for you, 
you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That's all of us. None of us can escape that reality that at one time we were under the dominion of the prince of the power of the air, the devil, who is, it's the spirit that is right now at work in those who are disobedient. We were like the rest, we were objects of wrath. That was the reference for Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. But in Jesus, we have spiritual eternal life. We get to be born again. And he referred to the seed. So I have Titus 3, verse 5, marked here. Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Just meditate on that for a second. He saved you, he saved me, not because of anything I have done, but because of his mercy. And if you knew me when I got saved, you would know, oh yeah, you needed mercy, boy. You're a sinner. You're smelling like hell. I mean, not like because I didn't sh shower or anything. You know, I mean, I was a clean physical person, but, you know. But on the inside, I was like a horde of demons in there. So it wasn't because of anything good I had done. And I, I promise you tonight, there's nothing that you could ever do to add to your salvation. You could never scrub yourself clean enough before the eyes of God to make yourself acceptable to him to get into heaven. In fact, the Bible says that all of your righteous deeds, all of your righteous, like I want to bounce, I want to jump around like a, like a Pentecostal preacher. All of your righteous deeds, all of your good works, the Bible says they're like filthy rags. So we, we do our best to present things to God by his anointing and, and in his power and by his call for us to do things, in his calling to, for us to do the works he prepared for us to do. But they're still, they're, they're not anywhere close to being enough to gain us access to heaven. Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come to the cross. So he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Just say renewal. Renewal. Oh. When God gave Tammy and I the word to plan a church, a prophetic word, a prophetess told us, God says to go plant that church. Something within, uh, within the innermost being of us, our hope, it just came to the surface. Like there were dormant seeds that just like came alive. Our hope was renewed. And a, a previous church guy who had some disagreements about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and what it's for and, you know, laying hands on people for impartation and people, you know, shaking under the power of God and stuff. He said, well, you know, I think that those, those mighty moves of God are for launching church planting. It's not, he didn't think it was for everybody. And he says, God didn't call us to plant renewal centers all over the place. And I was like, I had never heard that word renewal center. Kind of like the way it sounded. <laughs> renewal center. 
So Tammy and I, we, we decided we're going to call this ministry that God has launched us into Hope Renewal Ministries. Now, we, yeah, the sign says Legacy City Church, but we are all about renewal because the scripture tells us what I just read. He gave you birth and he renewed you with the renewal of the Holy Spirit, the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and moves across the land, across your life, across your family or, or city, he makes all things new. He renews things. That's just who he is. That's what he does. So I think it's wonderful. Did I read all that? Yes. Thank you, guys. Keep me on track here or that pizza is going to be sitting and we'll still be preaching. No, we're going we're gonna to get through it. This is a quote from a guy named Larry Randolph. He is a, a prophet who's spoken to Bethel Church over the early years, a very strong influence. You can look him up if you want from his book, Spirit Talk. He said, the voice of Christ and his word are one and the same. He is the essence of both, both the logos or the written word and the rhema or the spoken word. He was the word of God sent from heaven in human form over 2000 years ago. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is the living word today. Consequently, to hear the voice of the Spirit, you have only to know and understand the Word of God, for the two bear witness to each other. You know, as a church that leans heavily into the prophetic, we, we believe that all Christians can hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice and they won't follow after a stranger. The Bible talks all about what prophecy is, um, words of knowledge, all of the things that require being able to discern or hear the voice of God and then figure out exactly how to communicate that in a way that is beneficial, that is upbuilding and uplifting and strengthening. So as a church that has a strong emphasis of that, we have to have a strong emphasis on the Word of God. Because if you don't have a foundation in the written Word of God, yet you're hearing the rhema word, the only way you're going to know if it's, because, you know, the Bible says we prophesy in part. We prophesy in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part. We hold on toward, to the good and let go of the stuff that's not God. You know, hopefully our prophetic words are getting more and more accurate, but oftentimes, you know, we, we, add, our, we add our own two cents to them. It's you know, it's okay. We're, we're figuring it out. God's teaching us and showing us what is him and what is us. That's where the word of God, the sword of the spirit comes in to divide. What is the soul, my mind, my thinking, and what is spirit? We need the word of God to, to help us know what is truly the rhema word of God when we're speaking by the spirit. Does that make sense? Okay, good. I'm glad we're all on the same page there. Because there might be some people who are like, I don't need the Bible. I just need Holy Spirit because he tells me everything. He tells me your secrets. He tells me things that I tell you I, I'm not allowed to tell you, but God showed me about you. So that's, that's where things get weird, you know, when people start doing that kind of stuff. Oh, God told me something about you, but I'm not allowed to tell you. What does that do? That's like putting power, a power trip on someone. Okay, let's get moving here. Here's a couple questions for you guys just to ponder. Just think on these things. We're not going to do a question and answer or we'll never get done. So 
What promises or direction do you believe God has especially spoken to you? Whether through a prophetic word or through revelation. So think about some things that God has spoken to you through the scriptures. Or, um, excuse me, through a, a prophetic word. So maybe, maybe I gave you that, that picture tonight of you being a lamp full of oil with a flame. So when you have those prophetic words, I've spent like several days now going back over prophetic words that I've saved on my phone. And I'm telling you, I am so encouraged. Like you guys could never say amen for the next year. I'd be fine. <laughs> I just, I'm just like so encouraged because God, God spoke. God spoke some strong prophetic encouragements to Tammy and I, and not just for Tammy and I, but for this church and for the future. So if you have prophetic words or, or if you don't, um, if someone is going to give you a prophetic word, I would say get your phone out and know where the record button's at. Because you want to hold on to those things because you never know if it's going to be a really strong word from the Lord coming through that vessel, that son or daughter. So I've got probably, I don't know, 25, 30 prophetic words over the last decade. Then, the, the, the next question, in what ways does Scripture confirm these promises? Now, this could be tricky. You could be, oh, it doesn't say anything about planting, go plant a church in the Scriptures. But this is where kings get to search it out. You get to get, dig into the Word of God. Look for confirmation. Look for things that God will speak to you through His Word that will be like, yeah, it's, it's like I, I, they heard right, I received that word, it felt right when I heard it, and the scripture is now confirming it. That's, I think that's a good safeguard. Because if you're in a prophetic culture, you could get so many prophetic words. I can guarantee you not all of them are going to be like 100% God, or we would be doing 20 different ministries because someone prophesied that we would be doing these things, right? You guys know, you've got a lot of words. So, so anyway, this is good encouragement, good questions. If you need to take a screenshot, go for it. Going in three, two, one, it's gone, sorry. Here's a Bill Johnson quote from The Supernatural Power of the Transformed Mind. Mystery, I love mystery. I love that Bill uses the word mystery for the things that we don't know or we can't figure it out. Mystery, mystery should always be a continual part of your life. You should always have more questions than answers. I know we all want the answers, but just grab this. Take This is Bill. He's an apostle to the church, to the body of Christ. He's, he's an, an influential leader that's really helped navigate people and, and propelled people into exponential kingdom maturity. And he says mystery. It should be a part of your life. You should always have more questions than answers. He is the God of wonder, the God of awe. Just say awe. Awe. <laughs> no, it's not that kind of awe. It's like awe. Whoa. Whoa. Woe is me. So here's the, the rest of it, though. But tenderness of heart enables us to come into the realm of revelation that unlocks the mysteries of God. Coming before God with a sense of wonder, with a sense of God, you know everything. I want to come to you humbly because I'm just a man. I'm, I'm broken on the inside. 
You are holy. You are perfect. I come because you're calling me to come into your presence. And I'm asking you, would you speak to my heart? Would you give me understanding in this area of life? I think he's going to speak to you. When you come to him that way, in that, in that attitude of humility and being humble and hungry for, for truth, honoring and acknowledging him as holy and omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful. And he has given you access to come into that, to, to tap into that by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It's wonderful. I think I better get that book, The Supernatural Power of the Transformed Mind. We actually have the whole teaching curriculum, but I've never looked through it, so I won't say we'll go through it until I go look through it all and watch all the videos first. Okay, let's, we better move forward here. We're not going to get done. Here's a couple more questions. With what attitude do you typically approach the scriptures? Mm, I got to hurry. I got to get the word in. I got 10 minutes. Traffic's going to be really bad. I mean, oh, drink coffee. I better check that text real quick. And Oh, no, there's an email. Okay, what does the Bible say here? Oh, I'm going to read it out loud. For God so loved the world that he gave. I'll read it later. Uh-oh. Something's in your pockets. Is that what this is? <laughs> so... We'll give you a second to, there we go. So how can, how can you ensure that you approach the word as a living source of revelation and understanding? And how will this change the way you read the Bible? Do you think it'll have an effect on how you read it, how you receive it, based on the attitude you approach it with? What do you believe is the key to having the word of God impact Oh boy, she's not going to give up. <laughs> what do you believe is the key to having the Word of God impact your core beliefs in a higher way? I think we've talked about it. Just, I think it, it requires us to approach the Word of God. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be afraid to, you know, not per, you got to be perfect to go to God and spend time in His Word. I think there's a lot of grace for getting in there when time is short, when you don't have the time. But I think that there's an attitude of the heart that, that really changes everything, changes the whole game. To tremble at his word, that is, I think just to open the book and realize whose words we're reading, who is the author of this book. The Bible says that he is an all-consuming fire. He is mighty. All right, here is one more Larry Randolph quote. The will of the Lord for our lives is often confirmed through the voice of Scripture. This is a prophet speaking. I think you might tell from what he's writing here. Knowing this to be true, I have engaged in a number of spiritual disciplines which have increased my receptivity to God's voice. A steady diet of Bible reading nourished my soul and provided me with a communication link to heaven. Bill Johnson said, when I'm looking to the Lord for um, his direction or just whatever, he's just, he's really pressing into the Lord. He said he will, be, he will read scriptures until he finds him, whatever that looks like. I don't know. All right, here are a couple more questions for you. How much does God's word impact your passions, 
priorities and life goals? In what areas is it easy to trust in God's wisdom? In what areas do you struggle to believe God's ways as revealed in his word? Or believe that his ways are the best as revealed in his word? It's just things to think about. Things that you're, you're quick to grab onto and be like, yes, my heart is fully wrapped around that truth. And then you read that and you're like, oh, this is hard. This is really hard, Lord. Here's another question. What practical things can you do to increase the amount of scripture you consume on a regular basis? Well, I could go to bed earlier. I could not play that last episode of Seinfeld on Netflix or SWAT or whatever. Yes, we like SWAT. We like Hondo. He's bad. He's, he's tough. I can't think of their other names, but that's okay. It just takes me back to my childhood because it was the 1970s version of SWAT. Same theme song and everything. It's cool. All right. So here's some... We're going we're gonna, to kind of come down to the, the landing strip here. So here's just some things about the Word of God for us to, to grab hold of tonight. You guys good? I think I have five things. So number one would be abiding in the Word. Abiding in the Word. What is that? Spending time in Bible reading, meditating on the Word, etc. You guys, you can listen to it in your earbuds. You can read it out loud. You can um, meditate on it. What does that mean? It just means looking into a certain section of Scripture and just pondering it and thinking on it. Maybe thinking on it throughout the day, talking to God about His Word. Scripture says, if you abide in my Word, this is Jesus. I probably should have had red letters up there so you guys would know, but I think you already know. If you abide in my Word... You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Sounds like a good deal. I want to be free. I hope you want to be free. I want to know what's true. hope you want to know what's true as well. If we abide in his word, we will know the truth, and we will be free, and we will know that we truly are his disciples. One more scripture that Jesus said. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You want answered prayer? I do. I think I need to read the Bible more. I need to spend more time pressing in. God knows, I know, I'll be the first to admit that I don't spend enough time reading and studying the written word of God. I can make excuses, but I won't. There's really no excuse. I could change things in my lifestyle. I could go to bed earlier. I could make two hours instead of one hour in the morning. I'll let you work that out between you and God. You know, he's, the word says, I prayed this earlier, the scripture says, one of the epistles, Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation, like work it out. And then in another scripture, he says, for it is God who works in you to, to do and to will according to his good purpose. He's at work in you, and he wants you to work it out. It's awesome. It's a win-win. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, or pizza dinner in about 10 minutes. So that was abiding in the word. Here's hunger for the word. How many times do I got to click on the screen to get things to pop up? Having a deep desire to spend time with God through immersion in the scripture hunger for the word, just spending time, going deep with the Lord, letting that hunger 
pull on the wisdom and the truth of heaven as you're reading the written word of God. Scripture says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I just pray right now, God, that you would release a hunger by your Holy Spirit in each person in this room, that they would hunger and they would thirst for righteousness, for truth, to come and reign in Jesus' name. Amen. Then we have interpretation of the word. Pretty much speaks for itself, all these do, but do, but interpretation of the word, building doctrinal beliefs. This is important. Building your doctrinal beliefs, building your belief system about God and, and church doctrine through the lens of the finished work of the cross as revealed in Paul's epistles, through a blending of the word and the Holy Spirit and by seeing the life of Jesus as perfect theology. Now, if I could have just said interpretation, but then you would have missed all of that. Jesus is true theology. He is the lens that we need to see scriptures through. We don't build our theology on the book of Job or Ecclesiastes, as, as anointed those, as those books are. <laughs> They're important books. They are, they are the written word of God. They are part of the canon. But if you don't know Jesus and you just read that stuff, you're going to be very discouraged. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Scripture says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, own your own responsibility to feed yourself on the word of God. Get to know the book. I would encourage you to have a written, a, a paperback, official copy of the Bible, because I know that from the years now that I have been using apps to do all my Bible reading, I can't go find stuff like I can in this book. I, that thing is so marked up and highlighted, and I remember where things are located based on the corner of the page, what black mark was around it, what color or green or pink or whatever was highlighted, and, I, and I'll, I'll remember exactly like what chapter it was and, and most likely the book name, but I, I don't always remember the exact address. There's something, you know, if you get a, a magazine that you really love, that's old cars, if you're an old, new, fast race cars, I'm sorry, didn't mean to get that wrong, or, or computers or something, whatever your thing is, quilting, or, um, you know, if it's, if it's a book that you, it's like your only copy, you're going to get to know that magazine, like all the pages, the perfect places that you like to look at, like, oh, Better Homes and Gardens, that's my dream home right there, I'll show you exactly where it's at. You get to know the Bible that way. You get passionate about the Word of God. Take it like, like the Scripture says, be diligent to study it, to present yourself to God as a worker, a workman who is approved, correctly handling the Bible, knowing the Bible. That way when the cultist comes to your door and they say, well, Jesus isn't God. He's a God. He's actually, or they'll say, he's just an angel. There's only one God, and that's Jehovah. Jesus is not Jehovah. He's just, you know. I, I learned all that stuff when I had the knock at the door and the Jehovah's Witnesses were at the door, the Mormons. I used to get very defensive once I learned how to combat truth with, or error with truth. 
now I just love on them because I know that they don't come to really learn from me. They have their things that they want to try to get me to come under. So, all right, what's next here? Another scripture. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I could go into that scripture, but we're like running out of time. It's a good scripture. We basically, we, we, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth. He shows us what, what we need to hone in on in the scriptures. We are not of the, we are not a people of the Ten Commandments. And yes, we, boy, that sounds bad. We are a people of the Ten Commandments, but we don't, we don't use the written letter of the law to make converts. It is the Spirit of God who brings the change. You can re- look, uh, write down that reference and just kind of read the whole context of it. I probably should have left that one off. I should have known it. Was me- it, was, it messed me up. Living by the Word. The revelation of God's Word is the catalyst for life decisions. You got a lot of big decisions down the road, Ethan? I mean, um, everyone in the room? You gotta, you gotta make career path decisions. Maybe you're 40, 50, 60 years old and you still gotta make a new career path decision. Revelation of God's word is the catalyst for life decisions. It also is the prime weapon to win battles of life. That's a good word right there. Scripture says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I love that description of the Bible. Why don't we stand up? We're going to make some declarations, and we're going to call it an end to the evening, and we're going to get some pizza. If you have time to stick around, you know, should be plenty of pizza, some salad. Oh, yeah, they're in the trunk. Okay, so you guys ready? You're going to make, there's only five declarations. It's going to go by fast. Here we go. You ready? Warm up your vocal cords. Don't worry, you don't have to sing it either. You just got to speak it out. I love to read the Bible. Let's just say that again. I love to read the Bible. There we go. A little more enthusiasm. One more time. I love to read the Bible. Yes. Sometimes you got to convince yourself of where your affections are at. Here's another one. Revelation makes the Bible alive to me. It's not just reading for the sake of reading. It's reading to get revelation. Here we go. I live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word. The truth of the word sets me and others free. You want to be free? Then know the truth. Declare the truth. My life causes others to hunger for God's word. I don't think I believe it. Do you believe it for yourself? Let's, let's say that again. I think we need to convince ourselves. My life causes others to hunger for God's word. God, I pray tonight that that tr- is true, that that becomes true, that there would be an essence of your presence and your truth emanating from our beings, from our innermost being, that would cause people around us to say, what is it about your life? What is it about your beliefs? Why do you have so much hope? Let the truth, God, let the truth 
emanate from us. In Jesus' name.